Hey, Oops, the podcast listeners. You can find us on every Tuesday and Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. For us, golf is simple. It's a chance to get out and have some fun with our friends. But inevitably, little things have a way of ruining it. The group ahead is taking forever. You can't find the fairway with a map. And the Bev cart is nowhere to be found. And the best way to make a bad day better is Fireball Whiskey. You get their nips, the little shooters. They are great. Makes a bad day way, way, way better. Make sure to grab the new Fireball Birdie Shot Club. It's literally a golf club filled with Fireball Nip. Put it in your bag. It'll fit right in that side pocket. Drink Fireball Nips and have a great time on the golf course. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Yes or no, did you ever take banned substances to enhance your cycling performance? Yes. I had no prior knowledge of the planned assault on Nancy Kerrigan. I am deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior I engaged in. It's Oops the Podcast. Welcome in, everybody. I'm Francis, and he's Julio, my co-host as ever. My intrepid, trusty <laughs> co-host. How are you, G? Yo, 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 yo. Good to see you, pal. How you doing, dude? Good, man. You're wearing some really sharp some really sharp merch there. Dude, so we got a f- these uh, holiday hoodies, baby. Oops. Um, uh, what's up? I'm covering it. All right, I'm going to like show it to the camera. But anyway, these things are pretty sick, dude. Yeah. We got a little catchphrase on here. That we're still adjusting a little bit, but the final project product's gonna be pretty fucking swanky. So, what's that catchphrase say for those of us listening at home? Out of your mouth first. Lots to unpack here. <laughs> lots to unpack here. We got a lot of requests about having a lots to unpack here merch. We listened to your guys' requests, and we have now delivered it. Yeah, there's a, there's a great logo. It's a it's a special Christmas edition, but it, it'll work year round. It's actually probably the coolest thing we've done. I would agree. Um, it looks pretty. And sick. you're wearing what what I would call like the forest green. Green yes. is never a bad color on anybody. Dude, fully agree. Uh, if you guys are listening to this, it's Tuesday. I would recommend ordering this as soon as you can if you want it for Christmas. Just because with COVID and everything, apparently things are moving a little bit slower. So if you want one of these, I would say get on it now. Get on it, baby. Um, and if not, we'll leave it up for a little bit because Go, I think yeah. this has evergreen potential, like Francis said. Bingo. Go to oopsthepodcast.com and you can get your merch now for Christmas for that loved one in your life who enjoys our pod. Speaking of which, <laughs> we, we just a quick, you know, before we get into our usual stuff, uh, such a such a warm thank you to all of you. And I'm sure we'll do this again around Christmas, but what a year it's been for us. We have been receiving more and more feedback, engagement, uh, emails, notes of gratitude. Thank you. Thank you so much for your support. And uh, we love the fact that people are binging the hell out of this thing. I, some people it's sent great, us man. their Spotify wrap-ups, and they had listened to like 14-hour marathons in a day of our podcast. Dude, to the point where like I posted one, some guy listened to like 18 episodes in a row. And someone replied being pissed. They're like, what? Because they had listened like 13. Yeah. And I was like, don't worry, dude. I suspect foul play here. Yeah. That's, <laughs> so, a, that's the kind of thing where uh, like those, those Halo players will put a rubber band around the joystick so that they're spinning all night long in the online play <laughs> just to make sure they rack up their experience points or something uh, like that. How clever. Yeah. Because you got to keep moving in order for it to not think that you're sleeping. People the, always find a way around everything, dude. Sure do. They sure do. So we're um wow, we're in the thick of it here. Coming coming to the end of the year. What a year it's been. Um 
but we don't want to get too nostalgic yet. I ha I have some stuff I want to talk to you about, Julio. That's great, some big man. time stuff. That's fantastic. So here's the the first thing. Um, I went to a, a steakhouse on uh, last week with a bunch of my friends and our wags. <laughs> Is that your girlfriends? Wives slash and girlfriends. Wives? Yeah. Oh. Well, I'm sick of. I don't. I'm sick of having to specify that some people have fiancés, some people have wives, and some people have girlfriends. I need an all-encompassing term. Like and the soccer world came up with it. Wags. <laughs> wives and girlfriends, right? Dude, I feel societal pressure weighing on you. I feel like there's societal pressure both in your circles and in, in the life in general. <laughs> you feel the door is closing in on you. You're going to be a married man soon. You know... And you're being defiant because although, you know, you're happy in your relationship, but you're like, fuck you guys. Stop telling me what to do and how to live my life. We had an honest conversation about it. That's good. We did. Where I basically said, look, you know, I don't know where you expect me to come up with the money to buy you the ring that you we've, we've talked about this dozens mm -hmm. of times. And I said, I I have a ring right now. We, we could get engaged tomorrow. The ring. But I can't. I can't propose to you the way that you want un until I find the money for this thing. Right. And I, it's a very eye-opening thing to say. I'm sure, yeah. Because all of a sudden, it, you, it wakes the person up to realizing, like, well, this isn't, you know, what, what matters? What matters to me? Hmm. You can't expect a guy to propose to you and, and be ready to propose to you if you also expect him to propose with a twenty five thousand dollar ring, totally. Um, because saving up twenty five thousand dollars, I I don't I've never saved twenty five thousand dollars in my entire life. <laughs> I don't even know what the most amount of money that I've ever saved at one time is, but I know it's all gone. <laughs> Every dollar I've ever saved is gone. I've saved at one time. I've probably had thirteen thousand dollars. Like that's probably the most I've ever had. Good amount of cash. Yeah, I felt like a fucking baller. Yeah. And inevitably, I then went out and was like, I'm a baller. I can do whatever I want. And probably bought like three coats. <laughs> Balled out. You know, sometimes you just got to ball out, dude. You know, we were coming into this new apartment. Very expensive. Moving costs, as we've talked about. Don't exactly know what sort of Instagram collaboration I'm going to have with a moving company. <laughs> and get those costs down. All of that. These are all factors that are determining my, my financial outlook for 2021. Mm-hmm whether I will have the, the elbow room to buy a diamond ring. Whatever. All of that is to say, um, what, why did I bring that up? Oh, the, the pressure. Yeah. I, I, I don't know that I'm being defiant. Um, but I will say that it's less, it's not so much a question now of, uh, is she the right one? Or, you know, do I want to spend my, the rest of my life with this person? I feel like I feel pretty confident answering those questions in the affirmative mm -hmm. so now it's a it's just a question of money mm -hmm. right right that's fair dude that's totally fair well that's that's ridiculous to me what because farmers aren't asking themselves right you know do i have where, where that that's not an issue for them yeah but like you said it's like a thing where you know what you guys are now realizing what's important or whatever so maybe based on that as time continues, you'll find some way to, you know, meet in the middle as far as expectations have been set and all that. But it also makes me feel like a bitch. <laughs> I feel like a bitch because it it feel it's the first time I've ever felt like, oh, I can't support the needs of a family. 
Mm. Because she's not quite family yet, but if we're heading in that direction, I can't afford the thing that binds us as a family. Right. That symbol. Let me ask you a question. Do you do these thoughts intensify or sort of diffuse when marijuana is involved? Great question. <laughs> um that is hard to say. Mm-hmm. But I would say that I I haven't really been smoking quite as much <laughs> this week. <laughs> um I you know, I took a couple nights off and so and I also for me it's become like a just a couple light taps of the old uh, of the old vaporizer, the old pen. so I still have my wits about me pretty pretty clearly when I'm at night, you know, puffing the old magic dragon. So, <laughs> um, whew, I don't know the answer to that. Mm-hmm. My my immediate thought is it probably doesn't really change things right. that much. And I'm only asking because it happens. I have really big financial doubts the second I start getting stoned expound upon that that's a thing for me so all of a sudden i lose the ability to like look at my financial path as a path so instead of being like you know in two years i don't know how but like somehow i should hopefully be making more money than i do now and it has worked out that way in the past you know what i mean Mm -hmm. i lose the ability to think like that so the second i'm high i'm thinking right now and i start applying my current life to my life as a father with two children and i start to spontaneously combust because there's just no way that today I could have a family like that. Fascinating. For a variety of reasons. A, priorities. You know, I like spending money the way that I spend money. Mm-hmm. I like going on spontaneous trips. I like doing fun stuff. I don't like having to plan shit a month in advance. You know what I mean? Right. So that's part of it. But also, like, even it, all that stuff aside, still, you know? Listen, lots to unpack here. <laughs> really is. In my experience, there are two ways to find yourself with more money or to uh, uh, achieve different. Well, let's say what you said, which was like going from where you are right now to father with two kids. Right. You're you're that is there is so many steps along the way that you're kind of jumping past. Right. Um, and and the first most important step is. You have to remember that the person you're dating or, you know, whoever you end up with, in all likelihood, will have a job. Right. They, too, will be able to contribute right. to the family. Right. Or at least to the, the, the foundations that are built as you prepare to have those kids. Correct. Right now, my girlfriend is making more money than me, which I celebrate, but also makes me ask why the fuck are we why why am i because you're funny no but i'm saying like i'm (laughs) saying like why you know if she's making more money than me then i don't know why i pay more of the rent or oh interesting or did or foot the dinner bill more often or um you know are expected to come up with all the money for the ring <laughs> if you are making all of these financial decisions together, heading for a a shared life of finances, you know, a, a, a dual credit card account, whatever the hell it is, um, the person who the the primary breadwinner is a factor. Yeah, totally. My girlfriend makes more money than me too, by the way. Like, there you go, significantly more. So we 
should be able to rely on the fact that not only will we be making more money in a couple years, hopefully, when we decide we won't have kids, but that they will be making more money. Right. right. Women ascend in the workplace right now. It's awesome. It's great. My girlfriend's professional outlook is a huge turn on to me. (laughs) I listened to her talk about her potential raises and new positions that she's in the running for. And I, I get off to that. I'm like, God, talk about taking the pressure off. You get that management position. You're going to be leading people. You can be a bully. I could, you know, I don't have to worry so much, dude. That's great. That's a great gender role. Tie your wagon to a a breadwinning woman, you know? Absolutely. But that's cool, man. Like being turned on by like a woman's charisma and success. Like the things that would have turned on a woman about a man traditionally. Yeah. That's fucking cool, dude. It's great. It's great. I, we talked about this episodes ago, but one of my favorite moments we've ever had on the podcast was when you asked me if I would if I would be okay knowing that um, the woman was paying more of the rent. All right. And I was like, 100%. I, I would be thrilled. <laughs> Help me. Actually? Help me. <laughs> Subsidize it. Yeah. Are you kidding? How awesome would that be? You can keep my nuts in a jar on the shelf. <laughs> I will wear a gimp mask. I will do do anything <laughs> that you want and in exchange for, you know, getting a rent reduction. Yeah. <laughs> what a life. Dude, awesome. it's funny that you say that. Like my when I daydream and these both these daydreams and conversations make me feel good. I think about this and I have a good day when I do this. Okay. But my fantasy is someone just handing me a hundred million dollars. Handing it to me for, and I didn't do anything. It's not getting a yeah. sitcom. It's not working hard and having to pay off. It is being handed money that I don't deserve. Yeah, I think a lot of people have that. Do they? You're okay. talking about, you know, finding a bag off the back of a Brinks truck. So the problem with the bag off the truck, I'd be too paranoid. I'd be too paranoid about depositing it that but they'd find me. What? Why do you think that there are no <laughs> strings attached to this mystical $100 million bag you're being handed. So say that there are strings attached, but the chances are that whatever strings they are are things that I'd be willing to participate in as long as three things were the case. A, I had a high chance of survival. B, I wasn't hurting anybody else. And C, uh, my quality of life wasn't lowered afterward. Okay. Those are my three criteria. All right, but but here's the problem, Julio. (laughs) I have thought about this a lot. It's such a a give and take of, you know, let's say you win the lottery, right? Everyone's going to know you're the guy that won the lottery. I thought you don't have to announce it. You don't. So then how will they know? They'll know. Your friends will know. I would just, I'll just be ambiguous as fuck about it. I'll just be like, you know, dude, Bitcoin's back up at 19,000. Get out of here. (laughs) You you don't, Julio Galarotti does not go from like, you to you know owning multiple aston martins or being able to enjoy the the fruits of this windfall uh without some eyebrows being raised that's true that's too much that's too much money so the thought my problem with this scenario is that (laughs) um instantly you're defined as the this lucky guy and people resent you because everyone says well that guy it didn't work for it and they don't respect the fact that you're part of their company now. You're you're still a, a fake. You bought like a, a a fake tourist visa into their upper circle. 
Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, like, but let's dude, say fuck you, those people, dude. Fuck them. Fine. Agreed. But here's the thing. I remember I was uh, trying to join this fancy golf course years ago, Baltusrol. They oh, yeah. had uh, the they've had the U.S. Open, the PGA Championship there. My cousin used to work there. Yeah, it's a storied place. It has a little bit of a very well. It's, I mean, it they're, they're they they could do they could do for some diversity programming. They um, need a couple extra Jewish people. Yeah, they 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 definitely are <laughs> steeped in a little bit of uh, you know they, waspity. Yeah, waspity, but also <laughs> like the there's a there's a whole bar that women aren't allowed in. Oh, dude, I know about clubs like this. Yeah, it, they're not going full Garden City Men's Club where women aren't allowed at all. But, so funny. But they're like they're they're part of that old guard that you know you're yeah. like get the fuck. Grow up. Dude, isn't that funny how it comes all the way around? Like when you're six years old, and then again when you're 60 years old, you're like, no goals allowed. Goals are gross. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like desperately trying to escape women again. That is really good. That is really good. So, dude. all right, I was trying to join this place, and my uh, I, had a, I have a step uncle who's a member, and he was trying to get me in before I turned like twenty eight because there's some kind of uh, you know relief discount or something for yeah. for the the monumental joining fee, and um, it was uh, I was very deep in the process. It's an elaborate process. It's very bureaucratic. You've got to get these letter writers and right. supporters, and a primary and a secondary supporter. You gotta. You know, touch dicks with the president of the club. You got to do all kinds of crazy stuff. Play rounds, have lunches. You got to wear a tweed coat. No, I'm not even making this up. You, there's so much involved. It's it's more it's more background checky than joining the, the the foreign service. So, I was very far down the process, and my candidacy came before the board. The board. And I, I had been doing this for a year and a half with all intentions, all systems go. You're in. You're gonna be good. Here we go. At this point, I was at Barstool. Uh, I was putting out sketches all the time. And I guess somebody in, on the board pulled up a video I had made, a sketch. I don't even know what I was talking about. Could have been masturbation. Could have been <laughs> God knows what. Poor Francis, And dude. immediately they were like, absolutely not. Wow. And I was. I was Blackballed. I was vetoed right then and there. You were Baltus rolled. And it was funny because my step uncle. And all the people in my my support circle there that I had cultivated uh, were were shocked. <laughs> they were like, "Why? Wow, I'm embarrassed, but that the club wouldn't wouldn't. They knew you were a comedian. Why would they take such a myopic point of view?" And it's like, "Really? You're shocked? <laughs> You're shocked that that the place you belong to, this fucking mausoleum to old white men's <laughs> values, is." Put off by me, you know, talking about my dick or coming or whatever the fuck it was. How did you not see that coming? How did you, how, did, how are you surprised? Dude. Now, to this day, it's one of the great misses of my life because two weeks later, I went out to Bayonne uh, as a guest and I joined there a week later and it was, it was, it's been so much better for me. Right. So it's, it's much closer, better. right? It's, it's infinitely closer. It's more accessible, but more importantly, it's the more vibe there. Too, right? They like they love my videos. They love that I'm a comedian. It's so much more, you know, doesn't take itself too seriously. Everyone's there to have a good time. They're not going to 
slap you on the wrist for not having your shirt tucked in the right way. Right. They're not going to get mad at you for being on your cell phone. Right. They don't start giving you kind of like checkpoint demerits. Yeah. They're like, oh, but demerit, Francis, your exactly. shirt wasn't tucked in. And most importantly, they're not going to get mad at you for marrying a Jewish woman. <laughs> Or, or or bringing your wife around for lunch. That's you know what great. I mean? Dude, so, totally. Fuck Baltus Roll. Sorry. <laughs> fuck Baltus Roll. Not Rall, sorry. Dude. All of that is to say, uh, why why did I bring this up? Uh Baltus Roll. Money get just get happy. Oh, yeah, yeah, money. yeah. While I was doing that process, they were telling me about this guy who had just joined, who legitimately had won the lottery. Oh, wow. That's great. That's where he came from. He was, that's how he got in. He had the money because he won the lottery and people didn't want to play with him. It's crazy. Like, you know, it, he's just not one of the guys. But dude, that's bullshit. Like, first of all, I've like hung around these elite circles for long enough that like, if I suddenly had a bunch of money, like I wouldn't just show up and not get it. Like I could totally, and not that I even give a fuck about that shit. Like I don't, if I was that guy. And they said that, I'd be like, all right, I'm going to go fucking join another club the yeah, same way you did. But that's because you have the the courage of your convictions and you're self-assured. And, okay, and, and that's true. Sure. And by the way, Bayonne would have embraced that guy 100%. Right. Nobody cares, right? But there's something about, there's that great scene in Titanic where it's like old money versus new money. Mm -hmm. And there was such a clear distinction between the classes uh, where, you know, being part of the old money means that you've come up through generations of 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 sort of sculpting and teaching and attending of and your last you have the name yeah the name and the debutante ball and you're 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 carrying on traditions from your family where people who you know all of a sudden had developed some kind of new way to frack oil uh yeah. and had come into or or Elon Musk let's say like you know who would you rather have fucking dinner with Elon Musk or, I don't know. Frederick Third, uh, uh, Or a, a, a seventh generation of Rockefeller. Yeah, dude, right? I, like, I don't know. Like, it's hard to Elon, say. Elon Musk, probably. I get, yeah. I get the point. Yeah. But, dude, it reminds me of, like, Newport, Rhode Island or something. Like, sure. Was, like, the, the new money guy. They're, like, I went on some historical tour with my parents. And they're like, they never accepted him. And I'm just like, it's so stupid. It is. Like, America is, is a rejection of that. Of that, like, ar aristocratic bullshit. Right. So it's just funny to see, like, now all of a sudden, like you said, the people who are, like, third-generation Vanderbilts looking down on the guy who started a pizza box company. You know what I right. mean? Right, right. so frustrating. No, I, and I completely agree with that. And, um, you know, in a way... That's crazy. America does correct itself, right? So they say that every 20 years, cyclically, we're supposed to have some kind of depression. Right. Uh, which, and which taps out. Or like like which checks out. It does. Like, it does historically, you know. Like late eighties, there's that crash. Yep, the dot com bubble, all that, the housing market falling apart. Right, I, and that was oh eight. Whatever then again it, with this. Yeah, it's like roughly every. I remember learning this like in AP U.S. Years, history. Even. Yeah, it's like every ten years or twenty years, there's some kind of big correction. But right. I I think the problem too is that the uber wealthy find a way to inoculate themselves against that, whereas. Right. You know, some other people might be might be heavily invested in the very stocks that'll right. that'll be susceptible. Whatever yeah. it is, and all the more power to those rich guys. I hope that I become one of them. <laughs> yeah, but i i wouldn't I wouldn't mind being part of like the new rich that is a little more fun and open minded. 
definitely and accepting dude i have no problem hanging out with a lottery winner no problem with that at all no problem let me ask you a question about the club like environment so do you like know everybody who's a member is that just sort of i would say that i know the members who are there a lot because i'm a member who's there a lot and do you ever find yourself being like tom (laughs) 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 That's, that's the classic that's the classic like i that's a that's a great um. question no no fortunately we're not that's that's just something that starts happening in your late 40s <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you meet a lot more toms your your wave becomes more of a salute that's what it is that's fucking great you know right now at my club the the average age is a lot younger i think it's like mid 30s or something which is so great uh but but the result is there's a lot more fuckery yeah people 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 bust each other's balls right you know so um as we're passing each other we'll be like ah you know you still owe me 60 bucks from the the last putt you didn't give me you (laughs) motherfucker you know, it's a little more. You could there. That's what it is. That's and, nice. Um, that's fun. It's not Tom. How how are the wife and kids? Yeah. You know, are you coming? Did you get our Christmas card? Yeah. And it's not that bull stiff bullshit. New font this year. Yeah. By the way, I realize I just aired out Baltusrol. I have no problem with that. I I don't know if you saw my alternate side parking video yesterday. I start. This, I this I, I started watching it and then I didn't have service and I haven't been able to finish. No problem. Um. I've started feeling more bold about airing out my grievances with big companies <laughs> and brands. I took on restoration hardware in a big way. We talked about it in the podcast last week, but I really Good. I really went for the fucking jugular. I love this fighting spirit today, dude. This is great. Because what's going to happen? What's restoration hardware going to do to me? Not let me back into the store? Fine. Yeah. I accept. There are certain bridges you don't want to burn, but furniture stores seem pretty fair game. <laughs> you have enough options, yeah. Yeah. That's true. So I, I enjoy I really enjoy taking taking on these these brands. I love it, man. I love seeing you take on yeah. you know, taking on the man. Making enemies. It's a beautiful thing. Dude, uh, hold on. Can I can I make one more point? Are you gonna elaborate on that? Well, I have one other point about alternate side parking, but Please. it's a very no, uh it's a very different thing. Um. So you go ahead. I don't need to keep beating, dude. I feel like all this is just going to turn into me every episode being like, "Oh, I just want someone to give me a bunch of money." <laughs> well, the, the, you say that you know your first thought that accompanies the hundred million dollar bag is about you know are, is your life in danger? What are you being asked to do? Right. Is, those things. My first thought immediately is, do I have to fork over forty million dollars of that in taxes? Totally. And and you likely do, or you'll have to hire lawyers and figure it out, but that's fine still. Whatever. I don't give a fuck. You know, 60 mil, 100 mil, all the fucking same. This sounds like one of the guys that wouldn't be accepted. Yeah. 60 mil. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. Guys, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, fill in the blanks here. If I were in a concert right now and I said, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, I'd then turn the microphone to all of you sitting in the stadium. And you would all yell, Anchor, Anchor. And then you'd say, go to anchor.fm to download the software where you could host your very own podcast, see all the best analytics. You could see it in a way that was really user-friendly and nice and not too technical and industry jargony. 
It's a way that any person can look at it and be like, ooh, that's pretty. And also it's our podcast. And you, there's no minimum listenership required to advertise and monetize. So you can immediately have ads when you hit the ground running. It's really exciting, really spectacular. If you want to start your very own podcast, anchor.fm, download it now. Did you watch <laughs> Did you watch the Dave Chappelle uh, Unforgiven segment that he put up on YouTube? Is it new? Yeah. No, I didn't. So it's it's a, just a random 20-minute excerpt of him talking on stage about his his issues with Viacom, Comedy Central, uh, you know, licensing Chappelle's show over to Netflix oh, right. and HBO Max and how he didn't see a dime of that, which wow. he alluded to in his SNL monologue on election night. But, uh, you know, I, I didn't know how much he was kidding when he said that that night, and it he was really upset. Right crazy and rightfully so i mean if you have an eponymously named show which is right. a show named after you and you don't get to see a dollar of that it's fucked up and he and he by the way t- explains how um he was effectively taken advantage of as a 28 year old man in the boardroom of executives at from Viacom and Comedy Central as he signed his contract for Chappelle's show, uh, which went on to make, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars or whatever. And I I always thought he made a lot of money from that show. So he walked away from that season three contract where he was supposed to make sixty million dollars or something. Because he didn't like that they were they were trying to tell him he could and couldn't do stuff and he was like, all right, fuck you. And then he like moved to Africa, remember? Yes. Right. So Fair enough. So I think that the payday was about to come. And, and that's how it works in television. Unfortunately, yeah. That's how it works. Right. You you basically have a rookie contract. It's exactly like the NFL and the NBA. Right. You know, where you find out that these second year NBA stars are only making like eight hundred thousand or one point two million dollars. Right. But then in their third year, that's when they get they get that big contract. Four years, eighty five million. You're like, all right, good right. thing you didn't get injured. <laughs> right. <laughs> Seriously, man, it's yeah. fucked up. Yeah. So um, it's similar here, um, but I, uh, I was watching that, and it's a fascinating thing. It's really, I mean, the guy has achieved philosopher status, yeah. um, and he, he, he uses two examples from his life of lessons that he should have learned, uh, that have, should have taught him how to avoid that situation of uh, basically realizing that everyone in that room was not on his side. Right. Um and I've learned that, you know, the that whole lawyer up thing it, it's just so odd. It should be automatic in people's brains. I know. Uh you should have legal representation. Whatever you think a lawyer is going to take in fees, it's worth it. If not for any it's just the peace of mind of knowing you're not being taken advantage of. 100%. Um so I don't know why I brought this up. There was something I wanted to talk about, but I, I'm currently in a potential negotiation for a really cool project. And I have I have a bit of a crossroads situation where I'm I've never done this before. I've never been in this position. And I have a deal in place. And um, there's there's a way to structure. There's two ways to structure it. One is basically me betting on myself, 
mm. and that the idea will explode and I will be compensated much more handsomely in the long term, but in the near term, there's less of a guarantee. Okay. And then the other option is like, you know, to sort of armor myself with with union scale stuff mm-hmm. and get these little bumps and kind of kick the can forward. Um and it's such a tough thing, dude. It's so fucking hard to decide to, to have the balls to like let it ride on, on your own on your dude, own future. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And I mean, even like we've even talked about this, like with different like deals that we've done and like there's something so stressful about the prospect of like making a bad deal. Yes. That's such a like stressful thing. And you hear all these stories, you hear all these stories. And then like you're sitting at the negotiation table and you're like, what the fuck do I do? Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like a pretty crazy. Well, thing. you, you do hope you have, you know, good people in your corner and advisors. Certainly. Helps, um, yeah. I have so much trust in my manager. That's when the manager really comes in, which big. is just like fucking a, what a relief invaluable resource um i just trust that he's going to war on my behalf and not for everyone's best interests right um great yeah but all of this is to say you know i i would tell everyone to watch that dave Chappelle piece because um it's called unforgiven on youtube and it's on his instagram as well and he it, it, it's so illuminating about how easily young minds can be taken advantage of by people who have been doing this for a longer period of time. Yeah. Um, and they kind of just prey on, on the lack of experience and the trust. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, at, at that young age, people haven't been fucked over yet <laughs> and they they kind of just think like well you know these people are singing a nice song and right they handed me a nice bottle of water and they're 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 praising me and, and look at this nice office they must know what they're doing yeah um <laughs> so i would tell people to watch that because uh i i i hate, there's nothing worse in my mind than being stuck in a situation where you feel you're being taken advantage of, or you don't feel that you're being fairly compensated for your work. Yeah. And I've been in those positions. You've been in those positions. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've been in those positions, Chris. And it it sucks. It sucks because if nothing else, it makes you resent the people you work for. It makes you not want to do your job to the same level of commitment. Uh, it makes you hate showing up to work. Mm-hmm. And you start start throwing in the towel. You start self sabotaging because you think it's like you're, you're you're that's your way of fighting back against the people who have their hands sunk into you. Right. But the reality is, the better you do, the better positioned you are to find a greener pasture. Right. That's as, what I've found as far as to get that payday. You get you get the the notoriety and then you cash out. Yeah. But the problem is, we're like not everyone's Drake. Like not everyone gets to put out their eighth album after the studio deal's over. Like sometimes you get that one album and that's it and you don't make a dollar off it. Totally. You have one big hit. And like that to me is terrifying. Yeah. You know, that's like a scary thing. I was, I'm like, I hope that like my big thing doesn't happen and I make no money off it. And then I don't have another big thing. You know what I mean? 
that's like a fear that like lingers. Do you have belief in yourself that if you continue to try at comedy and everything in this realm that we've worked on for, for years and years and that if you decide that having a family and kids is more important to you, do you have faith that you could or that you would just say, you know what? I think I can make more money as an accountant or mm-hmm. as a lawyer and kind of switch careers. So dude, I've seen some of the like comedians who were like the people who were going to be the next Hannibal Burris, the people who, you know, too, who were like, he was going to be the guy type of people who were like decided to go to law school when they were like 40 and really? became lawyers, but still do comedy also. And like I, that, that doesn't sound terrible to me. Like, I, I don't think it'll come to that for me, but like, who knows? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and I guess to answer the question, it's like the dream has like evolved. There you go. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like when I got into this, like I saw Eddie Murphy on stage. And I was like, Oh, I would love to be that guy who does that. And this and that. And, and you get to know it and you get fucking, you know, your feet wet in the industry. And like, you kind of start to realize that it's a, it's a some of those dreams you had are like sort of bullshit. Those are like the dreams of a person who doesn't know any better. They're naive. They're a little naive, naive dreams. And then you start realizing what it is that you actually like doing, what gets you going, what's important to you. And you start realizing too, that like now all of a sudden your peers and everybody, you know, are in the industry. So that whole, like that whole allure that comes with not knowing is gone. Everybody, you know, isn't like that. The only people who are like impressed by you and stuff are like people that you don't know. Or mm-hmm. people that are impressed by that whole thing are people that you don't even know. So like, it's and and it's weird to me to see the people who never their the dream never changes for them. Mm-hmm. I almost wonder if there's like something wrong with them. Like I just want to be yeah. famous and I just want to do this and that. I want everyone to know me. Everyone's gonna love me. Sounds like, like somebody who had a, a motorcycle accident. <laughs> Sounds like the girl from Fifty First Dates. <laughs> so dude, anyway, like now that I kind of understand myself a little bit more, I have. I'm like content to a degree. Like I'm content with the idea of never being like a huge star. Like the dream sort of turned into like wanting to just be able to fully support myself and live a good life doing some extension of this shit that we do. I think that's a very, very good realization, you know? And cause there are so few people who, for whom that's the case. If comedy ended and was wiped off the map tomorrow mm-hmm. would you look back on your career as successful uh it's funny i think i would go back and forth about it i think i'd i'd say no but then i'd be like but but like look how like there's so many other people doing it too and you did better you did more stuff than them so maybe it was good like you know what i mean i think it would be a back and forth thing some days i would feel like i did other days i would feel like i underachieved I interesting know. what about you I think that if I if comedy died tomorrow and all all the all the different iterations of it I would look back and be and this is going to sound arrogant so I apologize I would be astonished that I got as far as I did. <laughs> dude, when I and I don't know run. you've had a good run, dude. I don't know if that's because <laughs> when I started out on this with the idea in my head it just seemed so far-fetched to me that I thought I was fucking with myself. (laughs) I'm not kidding you at all. 
Dude, I was a senior at Harvard watching all of my friends line up jobs for the next decade Mm -hmm. with plans of, all right, we're doing two years at McKinsey, two years at Harvard Business School, and then we're going to private equity. Or we're doing the two-year analyst program at Nomura or Goldman, and then I'm going to, you know, move into a hedge fund world. Like those those cream of the crop careers that really you only have access to from those like elite institutions. My my friends just knew, they knew the dollar amounts they expected to make for a decade. Crazy. And and what, you know, and and, and some have exceeded those, but none of my friends have made less. Right. None of them have, have kind of had to go backwards or take pay cuts. And that was happening all around me. I would watch as my friends would tie up ties, uh, you know, uh, under, their, under their suits with their leather-bound kind of resume right. folder, that like <laughs> flat folder. Yeah. And they would walk off to the Office of Career Services which was right near, uh, you know, right near the the Phoenix Club, which is featured in the Social Network movie. Oh, okay. Uh, they would walk off down the street towards that for their 11 a.m. interview with Crazy. Citigroup or whatever it was. Meanwhile, I was sitting in my in my dorm room, you know, kind of just like browsing career websites that where with the options were so different. One time, I, I remember I was looking at a. There was this there was this estate in Scotland that it had a like a summer program where you would be asked to be part of the uh of of kind of hunting the deer to keep the population under control. <laughs> so you'd be working on the estate and one of the jobs was going out to hunt and stalk the population of deer to keep it under control. And that was a job I applied for. That's hilarious. And I'd never hunted before. Why? I liked Scotland (laughs) is my answer. I I was enchanted by the idea of a summer in Scotland, you know, working. Shooting those crazy fucking deer. (laughs) (laughs) Drinking some iron brew. (laughs) Oh, I... It's a great summer. Aye. Learned a lot about myself. Love animals too much. Been <laughs> blowing their heads off from a hundred yards with a rifle. <laughs> Who the fuck do I think I am? I'm not God, you know. That's hilarious. That's yeah, all right. So, That's all right. So, so I, 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 I just, I was just firing off all these things. Uh, you know, Teach for America. Turned out to be the one that I got really excited that about. And that's like not that unusual though. No, but granted, when your friends are all like fucking lacing up the tie and going in and signing these these contracts with bonuses for sign like signing bonuses for jobs, like it's a fucking major league baseball or something. Exactly, it is definitely a little you know top healthcare associated with their bank and uh, right. just just a base salary right out of college and just, of just like, like one hundred and thirty thousand, hundred fifty thousand dollars. Totally. And it's it's literally like a portal into the upper echelons of society. Yeah. It's pretty wild. Yeah. So it was in the the late spring as we were coming down towards the the week of graduation where I just started to all of a sudden think I had done a couple stand up two stand up sets in mm-hmm. my life. And I had done some plays 
and I loved performing. And I said, all right, I want to see what comedy is about. And I moved to New York. I've told this story before. And stayed at my sister's apartment. I didn't have a job. I, I, I went on Craigslist. So where did the law school thing come in, though? This, that happened this had already later. Passed? Oh, it happened later. That happened later. I, I'm in my sister's apartment. She's off at work. I'm I'm on Craigslist. I see I typed in tutoring jobs because some other comedian I knew in L.A. had told me that tutoring was better than bartending as a comedian. And I saw this ad on Craigslist. Smart. It was like looking for tutors. I applied. I went in to this what turned out to be a pretty good agency. I had to take an SAT2 test oh, okay. which timed one? i took the literature test okay. i got like a 750 pretty good and i was good enough for them to hire me they hired me um and i started tutoring and then i was doing comedy and look when i made that you couldn't even call it a decision you it would just be like a it was the lack of a decision right that led me into this and in that moment, there were no there were no images of performing at Madison Square Garden, of getting my own special, of getting past the comedy seller. I didn't know anything about that. Same, stuff. same, same. And thank God, it's a it was a blessing that I didn't know more about how yeah. hard it is. <laughs> and I will say that in the winter of my senior year of college, for my birthday, my girlfriend at the time bought us tickets to go see Aziz Ansari at the Wilbur Theater. Oh, cool! And we went. And, you know, he was super popular at the time. I think he was on Parks and Rec. Uh, he was just killing it. And his set was so funny. And he was so good. He came out in a tuxedo. And I was like, this is awesome. But I didn't put myself up there in my mind. Right. I definitely did not. Right. Even at that time, I don't think I was like, I, don't, I could be a comedian someday. Right. And so to go from that lack of certainty that's sort of sideways falling into the career to i think it was probably eight years later selling out the wilbur and doing two shows to film my own special where i was in a tuxedo with a steinway grand piano it's pretty sick dude and and standing ovations if comedy ended tomorrow i would be like how the fuck did that happen <laughs> that that's what i would right. think and did sick man how did that happen are you Absolutely. kidding me that felt like my brinks truck bag right right that is as unlikely to me and and <laughs> it's still super weird and just like what it, it, i i just was on it was on a whim mm-hmm. dude it's crazy it seems irresponsible to me <laughs> that i did well, that you know like, but you did, and well, now, we are. now, what it is, Julio, is that we've learned the industry, and we've been able to supplement that crazy idea with doing ads, or uh, you know, doing yeah, being in advertisements, right? Acting right. in 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 commercials, commercials, sure. is what I mean to say, yeah. or uh, you know, doing social media stuff, adding a podcast that's making money, right? All of this stuff. Now I feel like we actually belong here. Interesting. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean. You know, I don't know why you wouldn't have felt that way before. I get that it's like a lot fast and like all this stuff was happening, but but I'm glad that you feel comfortable in your britches. Yeah. You know? Well, I think what I realized is that you look around and there are a lot of people who are very stupid. 
in our industry, <laughs> just as there are in every industry. Right. But I've said this before to to my <laughs> to my manager. You know, I just think that there there are a lot of people who are so obsessed with that dream that they forget about the importance of making money. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's important to like not suffer the entire time. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and 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 also you you shouldn't you shouldn't chase the dream at the expense of of, of a financial career, of financial certainty. These comedians, right. a lot of these comedians we know are willing to live in squalor. I know. In I know. railroad apartments as they continue to do their spots because there's some false nobility in it i guess i i, I appreciate that i, I guess mean, i like know, that yeah but like there's no reason one you can't have both right like i also think that by doing something else to supplement your income it doesn't make you a failure i think that there's some like pride with like i just do this and then it's like but because of that a lot of the times you won't make enough money to like live a normal life yeah and that there's no shame in doing something else as well. Yeah. Because you certainly have time. I don't know. If this feels, I don't, this is a, this is a strangely, uh, we're kind of just musing in this episode. And I, I hope people find it interesting. But I, I, I felt very philosophical today. Good, Circumspect. I do want to share something with you, though. Okay. Um, back to the alternate side parking Thursdays thing. <laughs> so this morning, after I put up the video... I had the fortune of of meeting the guy who drives the street sweeper. I saw that part. Yeah. And uh, he came out of the street sweeper. His name's Pete. I got to talk to him a little bit. After I put up the, the, the clip this morning, some guy DM'd me and said, listen, I saw your video. I work for the Department of Sanitation. That guy, Pete, I work with him. <laughs> Turns out he's a real life superhero. Oh, whoa. What happened? And he sent me a link. And the link was from 2011, a news post on ABC News. Good Samaritan foils purse snatching. (laughs) I'm going to read this really quick. I'll paraphrase. The incident unfolded at the Garden State Plaza Mall's parking garage just after 8 p.m. A 56-year-old woman from Englewood was leaving the mall on the third level of the south parking deck. She got in her car. Uh, A man approached and asked for her money. She didn't have any. The suspect attempted to grab her purse. She resisted until he grabbed her by the neck and threw her to the ground. She started screaming, and a good Samaritan named Pedro Sala, Pete, Pete, 48, (laughs) from New York City, heard the victim's screams, pursued the suspect in his vehicle as he tried to run away. As Sala turned the corner, the suspect jumped into a green Ford Explorer along with a female passenger. You know, just your classic date night crime. Bait and switch. Sala got out of his vehicle and attempted to stop the suspect from driving away. When he recognized that he was unable to do so, Sala punctured the rear tire of the vehicle with a knife. Oh, my God. Still, the suspect hit the gas and sped away, striking three vehicles on his way out of the parking deck. The Explorer exited the Garden State Plaza under Route 17 South. As they drove along, the female passenger threw the pocketbook out the window. Rochelle Park Police located the vehicle about a half mile away after the suspect pulled over to fix the flat. Both were arrested. Wow. Sala is a city sanitation worker, and it's not his first heroic act. In November of 2004, (laughs) he and his colleague noticed a house on fire. 
They ran into the house and saved the residents. <laughs> Who the fuck is this guy? Sneaky Pete, dude. Pete. That's incredible. Cleaning up the streets of New York by day, cleaning up the streets yeah. by night. of New York, by, of New Jersey by night. Of the tri-state area. This guy, I've been waving to this guy as he passes every time, and he always gives me a big, warm thumbs up. He's got a great smile. If you watch the recent episode on my Instagram, uh, Francis CCLS, check out the alternate side, Parking Thursdays. I finally got to meet the man who drives the street sweeper. Turns out he's fucking Batman. Dude, that's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. What? Who would have thought? You know, and I will say this, Julio, he exuded heroism. It's that great. humble, I'm just doing what anyone would do. <laughs> the walking embodiment of that phrase. I did what anyone would have done. I no. was just doing my job. I see a burning house. I don't run in. <laughs> there were a baby hanging out the window. Yeah, I'd get underneath <laughs> and try to catch it. That's hilarious. Dude, that's that's crazy. Good for that guy. What a fucking G. Unbelievable. It's very sad. I wanna I wanna get to know him. I wanna meet him. I love this man. Insane. Um, shout out Pete from the Department of Sanitation. Yeah, who drives Pete, the I hey, hope you, I hope you're around next time I find myself in a sticky situation. Here here's a question. What am I supposed to do to honor him? This is where you hear about people like starting GoFundMe's. I think you just did what you're supposed to do. Because that's the thing, right? There's no... You just gave him it, a shout out. He, he doesn't have, he doesn't have a, uh, a situation where he needs money necessarily. And I wouldn't want to insult him. No, it sounds like... But a guy a, like good, that good deserves gig. the Brinks truck back. He does. That guy deserves to walk the fairways of Baltus Roll. And guess what? People would be lucky to play golf with him. That is actually true. Because he's got stories. That's true. He's a real hero. That's true. And the people like me who were just handed $100 million for no reason... <laughs> Have a reason to feel guilty when knowing the guys like Pete are walking around. Ugh, there it is. Awesome, man. Well, take us out of here, Julia. Well, great episode, dude. Good thoughts. Thank you guys for joining us. Uh, we're doing these Christmas sweatshirts. They're going to be live tonight, probably around nine o'clock. Uh, so grab one of these if you want it. Uh, please watch our YouTube, subscribe, all that stuff, comment. All that stuff helps us a lot. I'm at Not Julio. He's at Francis C.C. Ellis. We're at Oops the Podcast. Email us your stuff, oopsthepodcast at gmail.com. And uh, enjoy your day.